hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Hello and welcome back to A Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast that knows its way out of a warpalypse, knows how many beans make five, and also knows exactly what makes a Time Lord. Hi everybody, oh, I'm Fraser. How did you make that up on the spot? <laughs> I just did. I think you're a, a genius. Oh, well, if we were doing Robot of Show, as we should be, then... Um, that's that's the oh that's here we go yeah. blah 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 yeah. of <laughs> that stupid bloody bit at the end with the arrow hitting the spaceship I mean come on but the intro the intro I've got for for Robot Sherwood listeners is is going to be absolutely fantastic so yeah let's look forward to that one but in the meantime we're not talking about Robot Sherwood today we are talking about um. Someone else's choice of a story, that person being the wonderful, the magnificent, the handsome, the talented, the impressive, understated, marvellous Simon Hot. Say hello, Si. Hello, Si. I knew Who... you were talking about me then when you said the word untimed. <laughs> <laughs> well, how else, how can I describe you, Joe? In your face? I don't know. <laughs> Stop it. Many men have said that to me. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> yeah, I think if if we could just try and sum you up in three words, that it would be in your face. <laughs> That's pretty damn perfect, really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, so obviously, we wouldn't have you any to... other way. Honestly, it's horrible when that happens because you have to wipe it off. And I'm oh, sorry, sorry. Please go to episode three. <laughs> Yeah, so it wouldn't be a hamster without Joe, Joe Ford, the uh, exactly. salacious host of Hamster with a Blunt Pen Knife. Um, so yeah, we are, um, well, we're in episode three of Modern Undead, um, having done episode two and talked very little about episode two itself and everything else but episode two, when episode two, I would say, is the strongest episode of this story. Would you guys agree? I think it's the most intriguing episode of this story. I think it might be this episode, actually, because this is a, this is the episode where all the high concepts hit, and there's a fair bit of discussion, and it, it does slow down. And there's a lot of wandering about. Yes, this is this is where the wandering of the corridors start. I, I say wandering, ambling of the corridors starts. I think. Last last episode, we we talked over the the wonderful scene between Angus Mackay and um, Mark Strickson. We did, where you know the head turns into Valentine Dial, who we've not talked about yet. No, well, no, well, there's lots of things still to talk about. There is. Apparently, we should probably start. Dial was very nervous making this. Peter Moffat says in the special features though, because he was very old at this point, and yes, you know, and apparently. He told Mark Strickson that he basically, because he had a Savers bus pass, he would only start at 10 and he finished at 3 because that's the times when he could use his Savers bus pass. So the BBC had to work around him. He goes, oh, my God, I'm working the shortest day of everybody and I'm getting paid more than anyone. (laughs) (laughs) That's adorable. Bless him. Yeah. Get the bus. That's. Oh, some benefits to getting old Fraser, honestly. There ain't many. Yes, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, how would you two know? 
Yes. Oh, like you're old. How old? Um, sorry. Who, sorry I've been Putin. watching Doctor Who longer than you've both been alive. It's not the three of us. I don't actually know. It, it's usual by about six months, I think. Ah, uh, is it really? Yeah. yeah. I would. Uh, I would always think that Cy was. There's just something perpetually youthful about Cy. <laughs> well, yeah. And yet I'm far older than both of you. Yeah. And wiser, probably. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> uh, well, he did get the ranking of companions, right? Uh, oh, wrong. Sorry. So, yeah, you're right. <laughs> or wrong. <laughs> Anyhow, enough of this. Let's um, let's crack on then with um, okay. the, high, the high concepts and long corridors of episode three of Modern Undead. Yeah. Um, who is going to count us in this time? Joe, it's you. Short turn. Okay. Count us in. In three, two, one. Let's go. Guys, don't... So, and... I... Oh, sorry. Go on. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Sorry. No, I was going to jump straight in with a question for you both. Great. And I'm, Don't like I'm questions also... on this podcast. What mm. What you think of Peter Davison? Ooh, that's such a good question. How have we not gone there already? In general, or in this story specifically? Um, well, uh, both, actually. Because we're about almost exactly halfway through his era here. So we've got we've had quite a, a good basis of seeing what his Doctor is like now. And he's quite settled into the role, I think. But how do you feel about his Doctor um, I, I, I think he's great. He's um, there's, there's very other, there's very few doctors like him. Is there? He's, it's a very naturalistic performance he gives, but he's very energetic at the same time. You know, he has that breathless quality about him, and it's especially in this story. He's there's a lot of sort of, you know, dashing in and dashing out, and without, you know, ha- actually having seen him run anyway he just kind of arrives in the room out of breath and gives this sense of energy um but also he's, he's got these really still moments as well we'll see it in episode four when he's sort of you know he's made his decision spoilers to to save everybody you know he's just got this perfectly serene face about him that is just um you can see why david tennant loves him and why david tennant you know speaks of him as his doctor as well as his father-in-law, um, you know, because there's a, a that same sort of energy about him, isn't there? Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Peter Davison. I think he wasn't perhaps given the stories that would, um, you know, make him stand out as much as he would like. You know, he doesn't have as many classics, forgiven, given that he was, you know, three series. He's, there's not that many stories where, are gonna you know stand up in a in a top ten, perhaps. Um, there are there obviously yeah, Andrazani being the the big one. Um, so I think he's he could probably have been a bit served served a bit better. And certainly with with the companions, I think three Natardis and three very similar people constantly is is a tough gig. But yeah, I think he's I think he's great. He's great. How about you, Joe? I completely disagree. Um, obviously. Sorry, Fraser. 
Um, I've, I have several issues with Peter Davison as the Doctor. One, I think he plays the role incredibly naturalistically, and I just don't think the Doctor should ever be played that way. And I, I realise it was a push to do something a bit different, but as a result, I don't think there's anything particularly memorable about his Doctor. Um, two, I think he was rather embarrassed to be in the show. You only have to listen to interviews and see outtakes and end of scenes and you know he is all he's a bit awkward when he's got to give the melodramatic end of cliffhanger speeches and he sort of goes oh god you know like I think maybe this was a little bit beneath him but I think he's a strong enough actor like he's an incredibly good actor that he can almost ride over those things and still deliver a lot of really good stuff throughout his era I'm going to mention Big Finish again because I think the older Peter Davison playing um, those audio stories where they give him a bit more gravity and a lot more humour. I think he, I, I wish he played the role older than he is actually because I think he's very good now as opposed to then. However, I do think in 21 he found his groove and a lot of confidence and there's something very striking from sort of frontiers on i think he's really watchable resurrection of the daleks he gets a fantastic confrontation with davros when the master dies in planet of fire he gives a great performance then and case andrazani is probably the best doctor performance we ever saw but all the way up to that and certainly in season 20 we know how dissatisfied he was with the writing in 20 and you know he basically said i'm not going to do another year after 21 he i think didn't he say that if 21 had been 20 he might have done, a fourth have done year. another year yeah yeah but but because and i think you can almost kind of tell when he's a little less engaged with the story in like terminus and things like that king's demons it's kind of, he's not phoning it in because he is a good actor but he's less engaged than he is with something like snake dance and things like that. So I, I think he's probably the least memorable doctor and yet he's possibly the strongest actor in the classic run to have played the doctor, which is a weird contradiction. What about you, Sai? I love him. <laughs> this is my comfort era. This is, it, it's hard to describe because I'm, um, when I was watching this as a child, my doctor was Tom Baker because Tom Baker was such a big, strong doctor. And so I spent the whole of this era thinking about Tom Baker and I would write stories about his doctor rather than Peter Davison's doctor and things like that because he was my doctor. And coming back to it later on, I realised just how much... I just really love his doctor when he's well written he's he's brilliant and the I think if Chris Bidmead had stayed on yes. as script editor I think we'd have had a very different era and a very different fifth doctor because he understood mm. the fifth doctor sort of as a character um being this old man trapped in a young body and I think in some of his early performances when Chris Bidmead has had a go at the scripts and Eric Saywood hasn't had a go at the scripts, you can see that concept coming out and you can see Peter Davison can play that brilliantly. He's got something to get his teeth into. I think season 20 suffers quite a lot because 
he's basically an exposition machine and he's not given a character. He's not given... And Peter, Peter is so good that he makes his Doctor consistent all the way through. But the writing is not great for his Doctor this year. The writing gets better again in season season 21. I think a lot of season 19 is written very well for him. But here, he's he covers it with energy. He covers it with running around, with his breathless delivery yes. and all those things. And I love it when, like David Tennant says in, in Time Crash, I love it when his voice goes squeaky <laughs> and I love it when he puts his glasses on. And all those things make his doctor. And I love his hat. I <laughs> bloody love his hat. And I love his costume, particularly the season 21 version with the with the really thick piping on the jumper. And, oh, yeah, uh, that's the best hat in Doctor Who. <laughs> so and I love the way he rolls it up. As a child, I thought that was just magnificent. I've never seen anyone do anything like that. And without seeing so, it yeah. um, in front, I know we keep. I'm oh, sorry, I keep talking about Frontiers. Mm -hmm. but, uh, you were talking well, it's about the best Davison story. That's why I think it is the best Davison, and I think it's certainly the best characterized. He Ritson, ever yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when he walks in and he's like, "Tenos, Tenos, why are you?" And Tegan's like, I've only just put them up. And he's like, well, jolly good. And now you can rip them down again. Yes. And I'm like, yes, mm -hmm. that's how we should have That's been. what we want. Because Sartonic, his doctor has a real streak of anger in him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, you which you don't about... think because you think, oh, he's he's a lovely, fluffy, nice doctor. But actually, he's got he's got some real anger. I, talking about the visitation, um, which you've been watching today, so I, the, yeah. the thing I love about the visitation is Peter Davison's performance and the fact that he is about five seconds away at every single point in that story from losing his shit completely. <laughs> you remember the bit where that's a great like, character. That's really you, good. Yeah. Do you think they're going to leave a forwarding address? And he's like, "Will you?" And he just <laughs> stops himself very quickly. Like, yeah. but there's, there's there's bits in here. I mean, with you know the as we've talked now, I've been watching them. There's the the scene where. Um, you know, Turlo is found in the transmat capsule. I can't remember exactly. He's not supposed to be there. He's said he's going to do something else. And, you know, the doctor's just stood in the background with his hands in his pockets, giving him it's the... Just watch, yeah. The dirtiest I've of looks. I just noticed in this scene where he's fixing the, the TARDIS homing beacon, yeah. um, homing device, he's fixing it with a fork. <laughs> I've never noticed him fixing that with a fork. That's a God, lovely bit of business. You can still notice new things on the... There are always new things to see. And that's because some silly sod got rid of his Sonic, oh, didn't they? There's exactly. a great moment. Drop the Sonic device. <laughs> with the two brigadiers where one walks down the corridor and then the, and yeah, it's actually and the a very awesome. nice bit of direction. Yeah. For Peter Moffat, that's that's superb. Oh, my God. You, I, I mean, I haven't got the sound up. That bit where he's like, and and that is an order, Miss Javanka. And she's like, show me, <laughs> prick. Oh, she doesn't quite say that, but, you know, you know. She ain't having none of his shit, is she? Yep. Nope. I just think, you know what? There is an, there's an artificiality to the regulars in this era that I just don't buy. There's no, like, Sarah Jane for me. There's no Joe Grant. There's no Ace. Even there's Tegan. Tegan. No, but even Tegan. 
I'm sorry, I don't know anyone like Tegan. He's that fucking grumpy all the time and whinges all the time. You haven't worked with some of the people I've worked with. Oh, no. <laughs> I think I have, you know. <laughs> Do you think they'd be like that in the TARDIS then? Oh, yeah, God, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Are we there yet? Oh. <laughs> Shouldn't we get back to the TARDIS? <laughs> Do you remember when Chameleon comes in and she's like, well, you can have my room for all I care. Like, oh, cheer up, woman. Honestly. It is an issue, though, isn't it? It is an issue with mid-80s Doctor Who that the companions are a bit grumpy. And the there's a contentious relationship between the Doctor and the companion. Yes. I, I think this is because that's what Eric Saywood thinks drama is. It's about people arguing with each other. And it's not. <laughs> I like. I no. I like a lot of what Eric Saywood did, but I don't think he's got a handle on how people actually communicate and work with each other. Do you like all the sort of kind of sub neighbors scenes in the TARDIS or the domestic? Yeah. I, as again, at, at that time, at the yep. time this went out, that was this was what Doctor Who was. There were lots of bits in the TARDIS, and that was all really exciting. You got to see other rooms. You got to see where the companions yep. lived and slept yep. in a way that you'd never done before. And I think that's really lovely. That gives it a really homely feel. Hmm. And people say, oh, it's too much like a soap opera. Well, so what? Soap operas are great and really popular. So it's going to get people watching. And people forget, people really did watch for Peter Davison. He was a huge actor oh, at the time. Yeah. Massive draw. Like, mm -hmm. what was he doing? Sink or swim? He was doing all creatures. Yeah, holding the fort. Yeah, he was, yeah. yeah, he was in demand. Like, he he was the David Tennant of his day, wasn't he? Like, the, the yeah, one, the, the one absolutely. In all the popular shows. I, I agree with what you said about the TARDIS essay, because when I was, you know, discovering the, the show through VHS then you know if you got a TARDIS scene then that was exciting if you had an episode in the TARDIS you know like Castro Valva that was like oh it's the TARDIS oh, scene it's like Castro Valva yeah there's corridors yeah. in the TARDIS and I, just, I, the I don't know I'm not sure about the bedroom scene so <laughs> oh, that's fine I loved seeing where they slept and Andrew, that they shared a room and they had a bedroom I mean we're one step away no I'm not going to say it, say it. <laughs> stop it but it it made this era of Doctor Who stand out, I think, from from the rest. Yeah, it yeah, gave it a different it, emphasis, and I quite like that. When we get to Colin Baker's time, there are TARDIS scenes, but there's no warmth in any of them, is there? It's... No, because again, they've taken it to the extreme of a sparky relationship just being argumentative and nasty all the time. Whereas I don't <laughs> think these I scenes. Say. I don't think the scenes between the regulars in the Davison era are nasty in the way that the Dr. Perry relationship is. There is a bit of warmth and there is a bit of a bit gentle not, teasing not rather than yeah. skip back to like the fourth Doctor and Romana, and that's just love, you know? Like Yeah. But J and T wasn't oh, well, interested so. in the Doctor Companion relationship being like that, or Eric Saywood wasn't anyway. Because there was too much humour. And you can't have humour. Look at this. Mordred's in a bad way. Isn't he? He's crawling mm. across the floor, Mordred. He's in a bad way. Yeah. And they did cut a bit of this for taste reasons. Because he was supposed to vomit everywhere. At this they point, filmed I think. They filmed it and then they cut it. Is it on the... 
No, no, I don't think it exists oh, as far as we know. So I'm surprised Ian Levine hasn't got it. He usually has all the trim trimmings, doesn't he? At home. Well, maybe when we get the season 20 box set and we've got 500 yeah. hours of recording footage, <laughs> we'll be able to see that. Do you sit through those? I can't watch those. I dip in a little bit. Um, I, I was saying when we did Gallifrey's Most Wanted, Fraser, that yes. studio footage, making Doctor Who, you think would be magical and wonderful, yeah. and actually it's quite tedious and oh, boring. That's what Terry Dick said, do you remember? He goes, oh, yeah. he goes I don't Making... want to make some reason to be in the office because going to location is so boring. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there is a, there really is a an attempt to make this a very sumptuous production. And I mean, I'm talking about the location work, which is very stylish, the yeah. design, which we've already talked about, the music score, which is you know very memorable but it's just a shame it is a shame that this wasn't handed to one of the more dynamic directors i always wonder what it would have been like if peter grimwade had directed a peter grimwade story mm. a bit like barry Letts with planet of spiders yeah i think that would have been really interesting i mean with the scene that's just played out is the one where um turlo Speaking of the Black Guardian, the Black Guardian's face appears. Yeah, that was that that's really good. Picture, you know, the eyes glow and the Guardian appears, gives his speech to Turo and disappears again, leaving the eyes glowing. I mean, that's beautiful. That's a really that's nicely done. You know, so I mean, I mean, this is quite creepy as well. Turlo with the yeah. mutants. Coming. I remember this scene very well. This was one of those Doctor Who scenes that <laughs> stayed in my head, particularly when they started to come to life. That was quite oh, yeah. But like, there's there's not a lot of movement with the camera. There's there's not a lot of invention with how it's shot. Like, you watch a Greenway story, you watch a Graham Harper story. Like, they're they're pushing for it to be more cinematic than Doctor yeah, Who. Matthew Lee Robinson, is. I think, from this era as well. Yeah, very one. good. That whole sequence where the Daleks are attacking the the spaceship in Resurrection. Yeah, it's real sort of dynamism, dynamic energy. Yeah. But then we've got the scene that you've talked about before where the Brigadier walks down one corridor. As we've just the... seen that now. Yeah. 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 And then Mordrin's crawling. This this is a well-directed story, I think. I think this is... I, this I is think good. it's a bit, bit paceless at times. I don't know. I just... It is, but I think that's that's the fault of the plot rather than the direction. I think the, you know, the plot calls for the Brigadier now to be spend or certainly um 77 brig or tash brig as we'll call them to to be Horn. we'll have tash we'll have tash brig and we'll have cap brig so tash brig <laughs> has now got the got to wander around the corridors until his big moment at the end of yes um, it's about four. keeping them apart now isn't it is it? So. it is you know so having had a quite strong or quite um interesting episode one where we're kind of setting up the story of, of everything and you know separating everyone apart and then the really strong episode two where you know we'll, we'll go into that concept of the two time zones and we'll have some fantastic scenes we're now in episode three where things are really kind of slowing down because if they don't the story ends at the end of episode three you know, I always feel a bit sorry for Peter Greenway. He tends to get these shopping list stories. I mean, like yeah. this, the ultimate one he gets is Planet of Fire, where it's like, right, you got to kill the master, <laughs> you got to bring in Perry, you got to write out Turlo, 
You know, like yeah. it's, it's an end. Kill chameleon. It's like you need to introduce Turlow. We want the Black Guardian in it. The Brigadier's coming back. The fact that he manages to craft as good a story as he does is to his credit. I've got a question for both of you then. Write okay. The Grim Wade scripted stories. Okay. <laughs> Dead easy. Yep. Mordred Undead, Planet of yep. Fire. Yep. Time Flight. Yep. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Although I don't think Time Flight is totally without merit. No, no, no. I, I, I found when <laughs> I got the season 19 collection, I enjoyed it a lot more than I had since 1982 that time. It's more enjoyable when you watch it with Behind the Sofa along with uh, Janet Fielding. <laughs> <and Peter Davidson. laughs> yes. And, but again, you know, that's got a brilliant part one. Yeah. A really, really strong part one. And then it's... Again. Yeah. Look, look at the way they, they... It's like the Georgian dancers that inspire the yeah. Daleks. They do. They glide beautifully, don't they? Not so much in this scene, but in other ones then, yeah, they really... Really get the hang of it. Sometimes you can see the trainers underneath that oh, they're wearing. If we ever all go to a convention together, shall we all dress up as those mutants in those skirts? <laughs> shall we and glide about the convention? Yeah, <laughs> you can have your brain on yeah. top of your head, Joe. That's fine. My <laughs> pulsating brain. Yeah, because have you noticed it does? They do. They do it move. Yeah, Mordrin's does certainly. Yeah. If my spaghetti bolognese frobbed on a plate like that, I'll be quite perturbed. Mm-hmm. Oh, here we go. And he, he gets properly angry, doesn't he? He's like, they were fools mm -hmm. for messing around with this town. How did they get it? They stole it. They oh. stole it from Gallifrey, apparently. Yeah. Obviously, they've stolen um, dimensional transcendental technology as well, because that transmat capsule is bigger. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Inside and the outside. So they've, they've been nicking a few things. It's probably a few trinkets oh, up, in the, yeah, up in the ship. Like we said before, I really like that's nice high concepts. Yeah, yeah. But like you look at the other stories in this season as well. Uh, Terminus has a massive high concept idea at the heart of it. The Big Bang, um, in yeah. The spaceships in space. That's massively high concept again. Yeah, I think the the concept of Terminus with the Big Bang is a bit bobbins. The real concept is the um, leprosy angle, the Lazars. You get points for saying bobbins as well. That's a great word. <laughs> <laughs> now, the real high concept of Terminus, I think you'll find, is um, Kari's hair. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> the real high no, concept of high. Terminus massive, is the gong. goldfish bowl helmets. Oh, the Big Bang dog. <laughs> oh, don't you love the bit where he smiles at the camera when he saves the day? He's like, yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was the carbonista of his day. Oh, yes. There's, there is a sense of ceremony in it as they all come gliding in. And that's when he says, isn't it? They were fools. They tried to yeah. explain their lives. And but it's mostly I, choreographed. They all know exactly yeah. which terminal they're going to. I, I don't well, know. I've had this head before. I'm having that one back. I like that one. <laughs> I think Davison underplays the cliffhanger too much, though. His I think, yeah. Like, the cliffhanger I, I think is... You're right there. He looks at the camera and is like, it would be the end of me as a time lord. Like as I'm like, oh well, you don't seem too disturbed about that. <laughs> like, there's, there's there's no way of delivering this this cliffhanger properly because it's a it's a terrible bit of scripting. I I beg to differ. Colin Baker would he would grab hold of that camera lens and be like, don't you understand? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's 
it's it's it's really annoying. It's it's that bit of writing where it's like, don't you understand? It's like, well, of course I don't. Yeah. No, what? no. Why would I? It's like no, when, explain it to me. It's it's when um, <laughs> it's like when Turlo is is having a go at, at, at a bit soon. He's like, don't you know nothing about trans maths? Well, of course. Why? Yeah, sorry, I, I missed that lesson in public school boy physics when you taught trans maths capsules. <laughs> well, didn't do that at GCSE. I forgot to talk about. Tegan's love of transmats that she's never seen in the series before. <laughs> like fluid, fluid blenders. And you come out she's just been, as pureed. She's been reading manuals in the TARDIS, you know. <laughs> ever since Adric took the piss out of her, so she mm -hmm. didn't understand maths, you know, she's been technically. Actually, do you know what? I'm going to save this for episode four, but there's a scene with Tegan in episode four, which I think is brilliant. Oh, I know exactly which one yeah. you mean. It's real, and it's an unusually gentle scene. Yes. Between her and Peter Davison, which is like, I'm like, oh, I could have done with a bit more mm -hmm. of this, you know? And um, did you notice the name of um, the guy who played First Mutant? What was the name of the guy who played First Mutant? Peter, Peter Wormsley. Ah, oh, he's a very knowledgeable <laughs> fellow. <laughs> <laughs> Come to see the dig, have you? <laughs> well, go on, say it. Ah, archaeological dig. 